Listen to me, listen to me. I need you to sell me some drugs, okay? Sorry, I don't know anything about that. Cut the shit. All right, Holly told me the deal, so let's just, you, you can deal with me. We'll, we'll do a, 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 a drug deal. Look, 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 be good boy. Sell me some drugs. Okay, sure. What do you want? I don't know, give, give me some, give me some meth or something. Why'd you sell Molly? Then why are you asking me what do I want, Neil? I don't know. Okay, Neil, sell me an eighth of Molly or whatever it is. Do you even know what Molly is? I will rip your head off of your neck. I will shit down your throat. Okay? That, that's, that's where I am right now. I'm a broken man, Neil. All right. Give me the money. Fuck you. Fuck you. Jimmy Crickets. Shit. What's up, you guys? My nose feels like it's been through Vietnam. Like, fuck. <laughs> I mean, it, I did this shit to myself, but good God. Oh, I hate this. Um. <laughs> fuck. Yeah, my fucking, my nose is fucked up. Like, I don't, well, look, okay, not a lot of people have this problem. Maybe I'm just reaching, I don't know, the side effects of my age. But no, I had some fucking hairs on the inside of my nostril. And they're like getting like long. I don't know. We all have nose hair. So I'm not, fuck, fuck anyone tries to nose hair shame me. I had these, these nose hairs. Right. And uh, they're thick as fuck. Like and that that like I used to do this thing because I don't know, I don't keep up on trimming hairs off my face. I, I should, but I do the best I can. But anyway, I used to do this thing where I'd reach in my nose. And I'd feel all these thick ass hairs and they're long because like, like I was never taking care of plucking nose hairs until one day I was just like, wow, it's a fucking rainforest in my fucking nose these hairs are everywhere and they're long and thick so i would just reach in there with my finger and i'd pinch a bunch of them and i'd just tear them out of my nose i'd just be like Ugh. <laughs> and i looked at them and um fuck those things are they're thick as fuck and it only led me to believe that my in my like body self-defense from all the drugs i snorted because you know it wasn't my preferred method of, or route of, I don't know, administ administration, but um, before I went to the needle, I was snorting drugs left and right, snorting, or I snorted enough to where I believe that, um, you know, my, my nose hair sent a distress signal <laughs> to my brain, like, we're getting attacked by white, powdery, foreign substances that numb everything around us, and we can't feel shit, or... 
we're getting attacked by crushed up crystal <laughs> um, stimulants that are f- f- they they're burning everything in the area and it hurts. Please send backup reinforcements. And so my brain would just make my nose hairs grow thicker and thicker to try and like de- detra- like detract the. <laughs> the powdery substances I was inhaling up my fucking face. But, um, yeah, so I would, I would kind of pluck them. Like if they're one got really fat and long, I can't believe I'm talking about this shit. Oh my God. I would just pluck it and I'd be like, fuck that thing's a beast. And, um, but always the little hairs on the inside of my nostril were like thinner. And so when I try to pluck those, I did get, I eventually got, um, I don't know, tweezers or whatever, plucked them. And uh, those fucking hurt like a like a fucking bitch. Like those inside nose hairs, fuck. My eyes watered up. I felt like I was, it was torture. So I was finally like, I got to get, <laughs> I have to buy a nose hair trimmer. It's embarrassing. I can't have, I don't know if anyone else noticed them, but uh, I sure did. And so I bought, you know, like, like fucking eight dollar nose hair trimmer at the place I hate more than anything anywhere in the world, um, more than hell itself, or if that exists or whatever. But um, you know Walmart. I fucking hate Walmart. God, I fucking hate that place. I fucking look at some of the people that walk through Walmart, and I just think to myself, what the f- what the fuck is this? No wonder America looks. F- I can't I hate to shit on people. Because then I realize I'm walking through Walmart and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm just as bad as everyone else. I'm just as much of a piece of shit. Low life. is Some of the conversations I hear at Walmart because I'm perusing and I can't help but overhear people talk. It's just like, holy fuck, dude. I thought I was fucked up. There's this chick that fucking went to Walmart and started opening up different chemical ingredients and was like, I guess, caught cooking meth inside Walmart. So, and that, that wasn't in my area, but yeah, shit, ugh, fucking hate Walmart. Anyway, sorry, my ADHD, fuck Walmart. Um, I get back with his nose hair trimmer, and I'm like, all right, let's get this fucking bad boy started. And I fucking uh, <laughs> I jam these this thing into my nose, each nostril, and it, it's the sounds it makes, like. Sounds like I was burning out the motor or some shit. And it was just like, like, and every time, like, the spinning, like, shitty, like, blade that'll probably already dull itself out, you could, it'd make a shit ton of noise every time it hit a hair. It was just like, and so I was like, all right, I'm getting some work done in here. And um, I'm just digging around my nose, like, going in, like, circular motions. And I was like, because I'm like, dude, I'm going to get all this fucking nose hair. I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. What the fuck good is nose hair? Like, well, I, I soon found out the importance of nose hair because I was just like, all right, every right, I'm just going to do this until I don't hear it, like, cutting up nose hairs because it doesn't make any sound. There's no more hair. I'm good. You know, hygiene routine completed. But, uh, yeah, I dug around in there. But you said, like, you do need some nose hairs to protect you from dirt and debris that you inhale through your nose. And, uh, yeah, dude, I fucking went to town. And now I'm like, 
it hurts like it probably cut the shit out of my nose inside my nose probably it's all like runny and i have no nose hair now no, now instead of having too much d- protection against the elements i have like no protection but i could probably snort sh- sh- like drugs at like 100% efficiency once my nose stops running i won't though i promise anyway sorry for that we <laughs> answer for 8 minutes about my fucking nose hairs uh what's up everybody it's me i'm back i'm uh, isunk so, uh, just gonna give a quick, quick update, but yeah, thank you everybody for the birthday wishes the other week. Means a lot. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was thinking a lot about my birthday and like thinking about how I self reflect and focus on things I didn't do or things I did that held me back or whatnot. And, um, I think I was listening to like, like a Jordan Peterson, like, I don't know, speaker meeting or some shit or a podcast. And he was talking about, you know, the box of papers next to your desk. Like, don't just stare at it and let it just sit there and collect. Like, go through it. And then I literally looked to my, to the right of my desk, and I saw a box full of fucking paperwork that I was supposed to go through before I went to rehab. And for over a year, it, it sat. <laughs> Old mail, court documents, all kinds. It's just papers stacked so fucking high. It was ridiculous. So I was like, oh, you know what? Why do I let those stack of papers sit there? Well, I, I've been like trying to maintain predict- productivity because I always get on myself for not doing shit or uh, procrastinating or whatnot. So I've been going through all this fucking paperwork, all these old court documents, um, old apartment lease contracts, and shit you pay stuff, shit you file away for however long you need them or things that seem important um and i've been in the process of like collecting these court documents showing the things i've completed and shit and then getting i've had to print out of my um my criminal record so i'm in the process of trying to expunge what's left on my record because i mean when you're clean like fuck it i mean you're not getting in trouble and fucking up so you might as well get your record clean you know it is a fucking pain in the ass let me tell you i don't think it's fully when you go to court to try and do that shit, I don't think you get it fully expunged. Like it's it's not on there for like jobs to see or whatever. But if like a cop stops you, they see that you've had this on your record at one time. But uh, I have, I think I still have a couple felonies I got to take care of. Um, and I didn't have a gun. And I didn't like harm anyone. So if they're nonviolent, it was like it was like intent to distribute. But I worked at a fucking dispensary. Like, come on, man. Give me a fucking break. So doing that, been like getting into getting my car, make sure my tags are up to date, make sure my all my paperwork's in my car, jacking that up. I've been trying to like change all the fluids, oil filter, oil, training fluid, transmission fluid filter or whatever, fuel filter, going through all that spark plugs and projects like that. And then... You fucking Christ. This this computer I record on has a terabyte hard drive. It's f- it's full. So if I want to put an episode, I have to like clear out space. So now I'm in the process of like going through fucking a terabyte of files. And um, it's a fucking pain in the ass, let me tell you. But uh, 
I found a shit ton of old recordings, supposed like supposedly for the vault, in technically in some kind of vault. And so I thought today's episode um, will release an old recording from the vault, very old. Uh, sorry, how weird and morbid and dark last week's episode was. Uh, but you know, shit happens and I'm not going to fucking hold back on that shit. I try not to, but it's makes me wildly uncomfortable. Um, talking about fucked up shit. And, uh, I noticed that I don't get into the, the greatest of detail in some stories, which, you know, I guess I wish I could or would, but a lot of me does not enjoy telling stories some of the stories, so I kind of just stick to the details and then I get the fuck out of that memory. Um, if that makes sense, I don't know. Does it make sense to you? Because it makes hella sense to me. I, I've noticed that sometimes, and I've done in the past, I've done, like, after I've gone through some really horribly fucked up shit in my life, I get this weird detachment feeling from reality. Not like in a psycho, like, fucking crazy way but it's like like the experience I had sucked so bad that you used to detach from the world around you because you're trying to find an escape you know and usually yeah I found that with doing drugs best escape ever don't don't do drugs kids they're they're fucking horrible but uh I mean when I where it was in situations where I couldn't do drugs or I wasn't doing drugs um, or where, you know, I'm trying to remain abstinent or whatever the fuck, I would detach from people. And I find myself doing that, especially if I relive some of these stories. Uh, I mean, fuck, I, God, I just remembered a time, you know, because last, last week's episode had my, one of my exes, Carla, I remember one time we were dope sick and I went out to score a few points or I called up one of my buddies and I was like, yeah, kick us, kick me down at like three points or this or that. I have like 11 bucks and I went to go get some tar to get well. And I literally, when I, when I'm driving back, a, a fucking cop pulls me over. It was like 1230, almost one in the morning. And, uh, I was fucking freaked. I was like, fuck, dude. Am I, so I was like, am my tags up to date? Is this going on? Is that, am I on probation? Uh, fuck. So I ended up fucking swallowing the dope. It wasn't even that much, but it was like 0.3. And then cop asked me some questions. I was like, yeah, I live like literally right there. And, uh, he fucking let me go. So I was like, okay, at least I'm not getting arrested. And at least I don't have dope where he can find it. I swallowed it in a cigarette cellophane. Like I even swallowed the cigarette self and I thought I'll just puke, I'll puke it up later and then we'll inject it in our bodies after it's been in my stomach bile. <laughs> Cause you know, that makes perfect sense. But, uh, I get back to the house and I tell my, I tell Carla what happened. She's dope sick. I'm still like feeling like a hot, cold sweats, you know? And she's like, well, I was like, yeah, a cop pulled me over and I'd swallow it. I've got to try and puke it up right now. And she's like, yeah. Trust me, I know exactly what you need to do. She starts feeding me water, making me chug bottles of water. I get like one or two bottles of water down. And I, I was like, I'm not putting my finger in my throat. I can't make myself throw up. That 
is torture. It's fuck. It, fuck that. You have to help me. So she literally gets behind me, and you know what a fish hook is? Is when you make your two fingers make the little hook, and she just starts jamming her fucking fingers down my throat. It was ugh, fucking horrible, and I was just like, I start gagging left and right. I'm just like, fuck, I hope no one can hear me right now. This is horrible. I start throwing up water here and there, and nothing's coming out. And so she makes me drink more water. I mean, she's dope. She wants that fucking heroin inside of me. (laughs) It was so fucked. And then um, I start puking more, little bits of little fucking stomach bile and because I've puked up all the water. Finally, I, I let out one more little bleh, a little fucking vomit of water and I barf out the cellphane and the dope's not in the cellphane. So I basically, it came out of the bag and it was still inside me. I was like, yeah, that shit's, she's gone. <laughs> and so like a half hour later, half hour later, I was like, oh, fuck, I feel, I feel fucking good. <laughs> and I look over, Carly is staring fucking daggers at me. She's so mad that I'm high and she's not. And, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. Shit like that happened all the time. Um, anyway, but this episode I found is a fucking old one. This one, this is like the third recording ever made for, uh, the Nod Squad podcast. This was obviously was me and Ryan because we had started the show. Um, me and Ryan were on. This is fucking years ago by now. Fuck, this is old shit. This is when we were still in drug court and we were both clean before we had some crazy dark relapses. And um, I talk about my... I In this episode, I tell a story that happened a few days prior about my other ex-girlfriend... Lindsay, who she's been on the show, she's she's been in some stories I've told. Uh, her and I got fucking dark, dark, dark into drugs. We had some great times on drugs. We had some horrible times on drugs. Like we one time we shot up Molly and had like some crazy sex, so loud. <laughs> she was. So, I hope. I hope I wasn't loud. I, I try not to be. I don't like to think about what noises I make during sex or the faces. And Lindsay has pictures of all that shit. So I'm just like, Oh God, that's embarrassing. But anyway, um, I think our, our window was cracked. I think it was so loud. Our neighbors could hear us and they were pissed off at us. Fuck. But, uh, yeah, dude, me and Lindsay had some crazy fucking times. Um, I remember showing being clean on drug court. I remember showing up to, her apartment when she was still shooting up in front of me and being strung out and she had cut her arm so deep. I was like, you need to get fucking stitches. Like what the fuck? And, um, it was like, if this arter, if this fucking cut was like anywhere close in a different area on her arm, you could probably see her fucking tendons. Like, God damn, it was deep. And she never fucking got stitches. It probably healed all, so fucked up. Like, um, I don't know. Ugh. Like, I, I, there'd be times where we'd be fucking high or, or I'd be sober and she'd be high. And we'd be sleeping in bed together and I would watch her sleep, but she would stop breathing. 
So, and I was nodding out. So, like, while I'm in a nod, I'm, like, trying to wake her up and be like, Lindsay, you're not breathing. Like, you can't fall asleep. You're falling out. And being, like, terrified, just like, just like, what the fuck? Like, I, I'm not, I was like, dude, I am, my adrenaline was like, at, like such a full time peak of a high. I was just like, I'm not going to fall asleep and wake up with her dead. Like, this is the fucking last thing I need. Cause I knew that that was so close to happening. I mean, I was fucking overdosing all the fucking time. And she, and I'd be shooting up right along with her. She could always handle her drugs, though. But at that time, she was, like, she was falling out and just not breathing. So for, like, 10 seconds, I'd seen no lungs, like, inhaling with air. I was like, Lindsay, wake the fuck up. I remember being up, like, all night one time, making sure she was alive. It was just like, oh, fuck. There was this one time, like, uh, before she ran to L.A. or moved to L.A. or however you want to call it. And uh, before we had broken up, we had gotten tickets to see um, uh, Crystal Castles, right, at uh, at the Fremont in San Luis Obispo. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but at this place, it's called the Fremont in San Luis Obispo. It was, it used to be an old movie theater from like way, way fucking long ago. Like, even back in the 30s, I think it existed. And my... Uh, grandfather had done all the artwork on all the ceilings and walls with all the lights. It looked really classic 30s style. It's fucking crazy. And it's still up today, but the Fremont stopped um, playing movies and now it's a venue. So we're like, oh, cool. We'll see Crystal Castles at this venue. My grandpa did all this artwork in. Let's fucking have fun. And we ended up kind of breaking up, but she was still around the area We'd never, I was still clean on drug, drug court and she was just on a fuck, she was fucked off. And, um, uh, I went to go pick her up because she was getting evicted and she ended, uh, ended up crashing at, on someone's couch, like in Grover Beach, right, uh, was right next to where I lived in Arroyo Grande. So I went to pick her up. I was like, yeah, let's go. We have had these tickets for fucking over six months or whatever. Let's go get Let's go to the show. Uh, I, I'm like calling her. She's not answering. And I'm texting her. She's texting me back with broken English shit. Like, apparently she... Jesus fucking Christ. She... Good fuck. That, this dog... I don't even hear this dog barking. Holy shit. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where the fuck was I? Oh. Yeah, I'm texting Lindsay. Like, come out and... I'm outside. We're going to drive to the fucking show. She had drinking like this giant bottle of liquid, liquid morphine. And she was so fucking out of it. She couldn't even stand or walk or anything. She was like crawling on the floor. And then I try and like, when she try when she pick up her phone, when I call, she just, I would hear nothing. And I'd hear people talking in the background. And I kind of got the idea after I seen her enough for a text and be like, Oh, she's fucked off on morphine. And just waiting there for like 20, almost 30 minutes. And finally, I was like, all right, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm not waiting any longer. And I went and called my buddy, John. Um, John's been on like the old, old episodes of the show. And uh, I was like, you want to take it to Crystal Castles? And he's like, fuck yeah. And so we go. 
uh, it was a great show, but everyone's drinking and there's just blunts being smoked and rolled in this indoor venue all around us. And I was just like, oh God, it smells fucking great. <laughs> and, um, and John was on drug court too. So I think we were just like, oh, this kind of sucks when you can't drink and smoke weed, you know, especially back then where we're like in such early recovery and not taking any of that seriously, thinking we're still invincible. Like, dude, yeah, we got busted for drugs or whatever, but, and we have to abstain. But I think in the, at least least in the back of my mind and a lot of the people on the program, I was like, I'm going to still get high after this. This drug court shit is not rehabilitating me. And I did (laughs) continue to get high when I could and somehow pass drug tests, but whatever. Um, (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. So Anyway, uh, this episode is me talking to Ryan, detailing this event I had after me and Lindsay broke up. And uh, I remain clean in the story, but being around a shit ton of drugs. And uh, I was like, okay, well, fuck it. It's it's in the vaults. It's one of like the one of the earliest recordings of this podcast. And it's not bad. And for Ryan who has been or has started out as the co-host of the show uh, and then re- end up relapsing, going to rehab, graduating, relapsing again, and then falling off the face of the fucking map. Now he, I mean, last time I checked, he was living in Ventura, doing dine and dash shit and being strung out on fentanyl, but, and and having it being hard for him to get a job because he had a job as like a waiter at a restaurant and he just kept relapsing and then get clean and relapsing. But also he he, like was maintaining his job doing well, but the pandemic fucked up everything with ordinances so much that he couldn't get, he only collect unemployment for so long because he couldn't work at the restaurant where he worked so basically so then he do it was doing this dine and dash hustle for maintain a fentanyl addiction and now from what i know he's up north uh, chilling on a weed farm and making money like trimming bud i think in guardian weed fields uh somewhere in america but uh yeah cuz i saw him post something on facebook where he was like I'm fucking out here. He took pictures and I was like, you know, up north, it's like you're in the middle of fucking nowhere in the woods and it's cold as shit. But uh, he posted something like he's seen UFOs and it freaks his dog out and he hears vibrational frequency. I was like, what the, f- what the fuck is going on up there? But um, anyway, I hope he's doing well. I think it's one of the last recordings I can find with me and him you know and after those recordings yeah he he disappeared and went to uh, relapse went on the run went to rehab but I found a shit ton of other recordings I need that are old I really need to just edit them and get them out for the sake of this hard drive solid state drive or whatever is completely full with a terabyte full of fucking files and old recordings so this one I'm getting out there and it's kind of, whatever, I say, yeah, dedication to Lindsay. 
because uh, I wonder if she's doing good out there. Um, you know, I know I talk about a lot of the shitty dark times or crazy times, you know, or I almost got stabbed or this or that or some some, some bullshit, you know. Um, so I don't want, for anyone listening, I'm not trying to make it seem like, oh, I hate my ex-girlfriend. Like, me and Lindsay are on good terms. I hope she's doing well. I miss her. I care about her. I hope that she's safe and not doing anything dangerous. Um, and if you're listening, Lindsay, fucking hit me up. You know where to find me. Um, I think the fact that she's so absent online whatsoever makes me fear the worst. Um, Lindsay's been through a tough life. She's experiencing really gnarly shit. Um, so I understand where her inner, like, where her hurting comes from, you know, if that makes sense. Um, and I, you know, we put each other through hell. You know, I did not know how to handle all the things she was going through and, uh, acting out because of, and I soon came to kind of pick, find bits and pieces and realized now, especially what it, I mean, what she must be going through at times. So, you know, I, I, at the time I reacted to them in anger and frustration. I would hope that she knows that I forgive her and I care about her still and would always wish she would reach out and we can just reconnect or communicate online. Um, because it's, it's, it's weird when, you know, it's weird being, or it's bit, this is kind of strange to talk about, but it's weird where, you know, you have these, this circle of inner friends and they just disappear out of nowhere. But you got, you and your friends were doing fucking very dangerous drugs. I mean, injecting heroin. So when people just disappear out of nowhere and you have no way of really reaching out and finding, getting hold of them. Uh, I mean, it's only natural for one's mind to wander and think of the possibilities of what could have been. I mean, I've lost so many people to overdose and suicide and homicide and car crashes, accidents, motorcycle accidents. Fuck. So, um, you know, you, you only naturally think like, oh, fuck, or did they overdose or are they in jail or what could have possibly happened to them? So, I don't know. I hope she's doing good. I mean, looking back and listening back and editing this recording, it was it was kind of surreal because, you know, I remember at a time where people were frustrated at me and then looking at me with, like, faces of disgust almost or fear or just, like, looking at me like, oh, God, you're fucked up on drugs. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, people and seeing that in their body language and face facial expression alone, where they're just like, what the f who the fuck are you? I don't even fucking know you anymore. Like they people looking at you, not even saying those words, but looking at you with that facial expression where you just pick up on it and you're just like, oh, and I mean, I'm sure a part of me was like so fucked off that I probably and I probably hated myself so much that 
I perceived that more than it actually was, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. But I remember having people look at me and treat me that way. And in this story, the tables were kind of turned where I was sober, newly sober, and Lindsay's just fucked off on drugs. And I remember like it felt like, wow, I feel like on the other side of the fence, looking into something I used to or have been, have known to be, and could possibly become again. And I later did on quite a few different occasions. But just not not looking at her in disgust, but just looking at her like, oh, what the fuck, dude? You are really not being chill right now. You're on one. And it, it looks like you've been going on, been on a run for the past week. And it's gotten dark. Like, and I remember just feeling like, wow, now I know what it's like to be the people looking who were looking at me and looking at me like I was fucked up. Now I'm looking at someone else the same way. So it made me feel like almost like a hypocrite or contradicting myself. Like I, I was like, fuck, I mean, yeah, whatever. I'm clean. I'm doing good. But now I'm like the fucking assholes that don't know how that just look at drug addicts, like just piece of shit. Like, and I don't ever want to be that. I don't look at addicts like that, but I felt like I was at that moment just in reaction to like her just being in a, on a bender in front of me. Uh, and it was just like, wow, what a weird fucking duality to become the people I was like, I despised, you know, or the people I was like, reje- felt rejected by or fucking, to, I was like, and then like, I guess kind of having a little bit of self-hatred in that moment, like, ugh, I don't ever want to be like those people. I mean, I don't ever want to be, I don't know, like people that shit on fucking drug addicts. I don't know, like Al-Anon people that get together and talk shit about children. I mean, I'm not fucking trying to shit on Al-Anon, but I've known people in recovery who've told me about their parents, or my ex-girlfriend's telling me about people in Al-Anon, their parents in Al-Anon, just talking mad shit on them. Um... Not yeah, like not everyone's like that, but just people who do that or like yeah, I don't want to ever be like that kind of shit. But anyway, I'm not trying to get in a crazy rant. Uh and I got a lot of shit to do right now. This is not as dark of an episode. It's kind of lighthearted and funny, but it's still have el- dark elements. I don't know. I think a lot of things I was reactionary to things going on in my life or I'd laugh it off. So like in a comedic way, like just laugh at the insanity of my life. I did that a lot. I mean, and then in hindsight, looking back at it again, I was like, oh, now that was probably, that was actually really fucking dark. But I think in, as a self-defense mechanism, I was like laugh it off. Or when I re- retell it in this recording so many years ago, uh, do it in a lighthearted way, but I almost was like, whoa, what the fuck? But um it is kind of darker than actually I recollected. I was telling it with Ryan, so, and we are we were just like only a few months clean, maybe six months at the most. So it's like you have no choice but I mean, for me, I was like I have no choice but look back on my the fucked up things I did and laugh because I'm not gonna dwell on it and be all, you know. Misery index for fucking all 24-7. Fuck that. 
But anyway, let's just, I'm just going to get in the recording. Um, I hope you guys are doing well out there. Uh, uh, a few more things I would rather address, but I'll do it later. Whatever, I'm tired. Uh, I love you guys, though. Thank you guys for the messages and reaching out to me. It was fucking awesome. And uh, a few of, I read a few people's iTunes reviews, and they were, they were fucking amazing. Um, I never knew this. <laughs> My, my fucked up life entertained people and people got value out of it but in the in a lot of the reviews I've read that people were getting things out of experiences I've told and my friends have told and realizing or humanizing people having stigmas or addictions whatever that that's fucking awesome and you know I'll do shout outs later but with that I'm going to bed you guys uh, I'm, fu- I'm fucking exhausted. I love you, and you know, I hope to hear from you guys. And with that, I'm out. Peace, love, and all the above. So something happened to me two days ago, and it, I I thought it was okay. I, I don't know. It's kind of fucked up, but I don't know how I stayed clean through this, and I'm, like, cringing at the thought of what happened, and I'm almost hesitant to fucking bring it up, but I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just lay it out there. So... I, well, it's not like I even almost relapsed, but I was put in a situation that challenged my sobriety and recovery. And it it all dwells into like my past relationships. Like I've, I don't know. I've dated a lot of fucking druggy chicks and that's never a good thing, especially if you're attempting to get into recovery, like and you're dating someone who's also afflicted, I guess you would say. And, um, I don't know, like, it's just a fucking challenge. Like, and I, you know, like, all right, but like, you probably already know me and Ryan met in jail and I was dating this other junkie chick and, um, you know, she would come and visit me in jail and t- I'd call her on the phone in jail and I was like, at least like, she came and visited you. She visited me once. And she, you know, I'd call her and I was basically saying like, look, when, um, when I get out, like I'm done, like I can't be getting strung out anymore. And for us to be in a relationship, you have to be on the same page as me. Cause I'm like, not going to be dating someone who's like shooting up heroin and, um, 
Because it's just going to make me want to get high. No. <laughs> yes. No, it, it re- I mean, and even if I don't relapse, I'm going to get a fucking mad trigger or crazy craving of some sort. You're going to white knuckle it the entire time and be completely miserable. Yeah, cravings suck. Like, they're not fun. Because it's like this weird monkey on your back whispering in your ear, like, that, oh, I want to get high. And then you just, your brain is like thinking of all the ways you can get away with getting high. And, um, you like, I want desperately not when I'm having a craving, I want desperately not to be focusing on that, but it, a craving for me lasts anywhere between like 30 minutes to an hour where you readdress the craving every so often. And and your mind is just constantly focusing on using and how awesome it would be and, Oh, oh, you can hit up so-and-so, you, you know, there's a needle exchange. You know what I thought was really funny is that the needle exchange here is called Slow Bangers. I know, they totally promote it. That is they make such... t-shirts. Do they really? I should I get one. I believe they have t-shirts. I mean, I don't know. You so, probably shouldn't get one. I probably shouldn't get one, but it's pretty funny to me. <laughs> it's very counterproductive. You know what's ironic? Recovery. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's ironic is that Slow Bangers... The needle exchange is right across the street from our drug court. I know. So it's like, okay, we're getting drug tested, but right across the street, we can fucking get free clean needles. Oh, and, and new dealers. ten dollars for a Hep C test. Yeah. And it's like, I would go there just to get the Hep C test to get ten dollars and get clean needles and then go score. Absolutely. You know? I used to do and that free when I was Nar- using. Yeah, free Narcan. I got so many Hep C tests. They were like. You just got one last week, and I'm like, yeah, but I need the I need the ten dollars. So can I get one? And they're like, no. And I think I like, they stopped what? giving people cash. Uh, what for the tests? I believe they may only be giving out gift cards, which I had no problem with gift cards because I'll I trade, that for, trade that for Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah fine. Where there's a will, there's a way. And when you're strung out, there's a lot of will. When I was in Los Angeles, my dealer would take gift cards he would take stakes did he give you full price for the gift cards yeah half half price half, yeah that's but pretty typical my homie stoner steve would be like he was like the middleman like i'd have to hit him up to get to and I, he, i'd be like dude i, I want to get some fucking black and he would be like all right man just he and he talked really weird like all right man take me to ralph's i need to talk like he was stoned Hence yeah. the name, Stoner Steve. But he wasn't a stoner. He was a junkie. And it, do, does, does, it doesn't ring off the tip of your tongue like Stoner Steve. That sounds better than Junkie Steve. But I mean, Junkie Steve sounds like a piece of shit. <laughs> and that's, well, and he, he was a junkie. I mean, he wasn't, he was cool though. He always hooked it up proper, but he fucking would, I'd have to take, I'd have to drive, to get my dope, I'd have to pick him up, drive him to Ralph's, and wait for him to steal, like, a shit ton of steaks. Oh, I hate when I have to wait for people to steal anything. Oh, it's and so And then he irritating. would trade, he would trade all these steaks. steaks. To Jose, like Or any kind of meat products. And then he would trade that for dope. Because he's like, well, I want to get dope, too. And, uh, but that, I digress. So I would love to see the cash of, of things that a drug dealer like that has in their you know in their house i mean almost everything they have is probably stolen from somebody at some point in time. and sometimes he would go to home depot and he would steal like little like i don't even know little pieces and parts from home depot that were expensive and then go back and return them for a gift card and then trade that for dope yep 
And um, did he have a did he have a um, a stealing jacket that had all kinds of pockets and stuff, compartments and stuff in it? And, I mean, I want to say he did, but even if he didn't, like junkies are really resourceful, so they'll find a place to hide something or just run out or just run. Yeah, but uh, Home Depot caught on to that, and then they were like, "Yeah, you, you we, we can't return you can't return these things anymore," <laughs> and we're put it on like. A list. Uh, I can never return something at Home Depot ever again, but... I can't return anything to Target again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so something happened uh, two days ago, and I mean, it's a little debaucherous or wild, I guess, but anyway, I'm, I was dating, I got out of jail, and we both got out of jail, and we started drug court, and uh, my girlfriend was still using and struggling, and, you know, like, it was funny because I was staying clean because I'm getting drug tested and I don't want to go back to jail. Like, one dirty test and you're doing, like, how six quick, to nine days. How quickly do you think you would have relapsed if you didn't have to be so accountable to the program? And do you think that she would have taken you out pretty quick? I Well, I would have taken myself out. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, if I don't have structure if i don't have the responsibility and the repercussions of dirty tests i'd probably be out you know running about but yeah eh, it's near neither here nor there nor there but um and she would use in front of me sometimes oh, or oh. like i'd walk in on her cooking up no. and i would be like son of a bitch See? like are you serious like and if the fucking tables were turned and she was in drug court and I was cooking up in front of her. She would just be like, oh, I'm, you're giving me some of that, you know? And I'm surprised I n- hadn't relapsed. So it just was like, we were on two different paths and we were going, like, I'm on the road to recovery and staying clean. She's just fucking diving deep into her addiction, going worse and worse. Eventually, she uh, walked out on her job and didn't have a job. She, uh, Her roommates evicted her. Um and she was just like, you know, couch hopping in different people's house, just doing any and every drug she could get her fucking hands on, like absolutely, you know, liquid morphine or whatever. The, and she was so slo- she was so sloppy, she couldn't even like she was just like couldn't get off the floor most times. I'm surprised she's not dead right now. But and then a few times, she'd run away to L.A. and just do massive amounts of meth. And then a couple times, I would she'd be stranded in L.A. And I would have to go to L.A. and pick her up and bring her back here and take her back to her apartment what or whatever. part of this relationship was so appealing to you? In the beginning, like, it was great because we were both kind of clean. And then we both got strung out and then I got rolled up. And then um, as as I was staying clean and in my life, I was putting my life back together, her life is falling apart. And we're both, like, going in two different directions to the point where... It was just like I had to set boundaries and um, th- and I had to start setting more and more boundaries. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're getting high, I can't be around you because I'll want to get high. And I and it's only a matter of time before I actually do get high. That was a good decision. It was like sink or swim or fight or flight. Like I, That's all I could do. So anyway, the last time she ran away to L.A., uh, I and she wanted me to come get her. I was like, no, I'm not driving to L.A. I'm not going to fucking enable you anymore. And even if I'm not enabling her with her addiction, I would eventually be enabling her to where she can feel comfortable putting herself in shady situations because I'll just come and rescue her and save the day. 
And it was just fucking. She was emotional, an emotional vampire, just sucking me uh, of energy yeah. and like focus and, and and everything. So finally, I uh, I was like, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not gonna pick you up. You're fucking on your own. I offered her, <laughs> I offered her a plane ticket to Ohio to where her mom lives, and she wouldn't take it because she's afraid her mom wouldn't let her come back. I don't, I don't know what was going on. Well, her where do you even get heroin in Hawaii? If in Ohio, you're used to buying heroin here, and you don't have any. Oh no, there's a lot of heroin in Ohio. I, believe, I, I agree with that. I'm just saying, you know that moment where. You're so strung out that you are a prisoner to whatever town and city. You That's the thing is like in. traveling, dope sick is like not an option. Getting no, it's on a absolutely fucking, not. Getting on a plane, like, and you're got a tolerance. You have to do a shot right before you get into the airport and have one waiting for you at the other wherever you're landing. Or figure out a really, really slick way of uh, sneaking <laughs> some onto the plane, which I'm pretty sure is almost like, impossible. Yeah, and not worth it. Because I, and if yeah, because you get caught, you get caught and then you're definitely going to be sick. Oh, for sure. And you're going to catch some cases. Pretty sure that's a federal uh, charge. You know, funny, one time when I was in Ohio with her, we uh, were getting, we had enough money to get dope, and she had needles, but she has Hep C. So it's not like I was going to share needles with her, and I was trying to figure out a way to get. Because you, you were a responsible. I was trying, I was trying to, I've put myself, (laughs) I've shared needles before, but not with people with hep C. And like, I, I took, remember Donnie, I took one of his needles, which, and, and did a shot and I was super sick and he had fucking MRSA. Oh yeah. And that, that was, that kind of sketched me out, but I was fine. Thank God. But anyway, we're in uh, a town in Ohio called Youngstown, and that's just get a fucking ghetto place. And there's a lot of fucking heroin there, so we are, we have this heroin, and I don't. Have, they only sell syringes in a big ass box of so like you can't get like a bag of ten. You have to get a giant box. So I was like, well, we don't have enough money for dope and this giant box of syringes. So I went to like the horse animal like accessory store where they have all this stuff for horses and I bought a fucking horse needle oh (laughs) like a horse like the little it's like a giant plunger and the needle for horses like the smallest one is still fucking huge well yeah and vein is like the size of your upper thigh (laughs) yeah so I fucking remember and I, I didn't know how to fucking hit myself with this horse needle so she hit me in my arm and I have pretty uh. good veins, but she fucking... And the plunger is just... It's like that. It's fucking huge. It's a giant thing. And, and I hit myself with a horse needle. And <laughs> it, it worked. I felt like she didn't miss, but it was like a giant gaping hole in my arm afterwards. And I, and I was... Yeah, you bleed a little bit after, but this was like a bleeding. Bleeding. Yeah. But... So anyway, she ran away back to LA. And um, she she stayed there and she would just, you know, she fucking meets all these people that she in person that she's met online. Cause you know how chicks are. They'll upload an Instagram picture and like a hundred people yes. will like it and be like, Hey baby, you know, and she just meet up sh- shady characters. And finally she met someone on Facebook, uh, this transgender named Cleo oh. and started staying with her. And I was like, good. Like, Okay, stay with Cleo. And then they started kind of dating 
or what? And I was like, that's fine. Like I was actually trying to set her up with someone else. And um, I was like, so you're dating Cleo now, huh? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, he's, she, oh, he doesn't, See? you don't call See? them he, you call it, I guess she or them or they, but that she is taking estrogen hormones or something like that. It so would have to be estrogen. She can't get hard, supposedly, or she just told me that to make me think like, they're not hooking up. I don't even care at Because this point. you're going to be so envious of this transgender. <laughs> I mean, a part of me, it was like a little like, well, I didn't know where we stood. Like, were we still dating or not? Like, but I didn't really, I was trying to like inch my way out of the relationship. So they've, she's in LA like doing meth all constantly because she can't get, she gets heroin every now and then, but she's doing whatever drugs she can do and meth was there. So she'd stay. And I don't know if, like people know this, but if you have borderline personality disorder and you do meth, it fucks with your head. And if you stay up for days and don't get sleep, you're, it triggers your borderline really fucking bad. I was going to say, if you don't have borderline personality disorder and you yeah, do meth, it's going to fuck with your head. But on having borderline and being up for days, Absolutely. a strung out on meth, it, it brings out the worst in your mental illness. Mm. So she's down there and um, last Friday... She said, oh, I fucking, I, I, I describe my relationship with her as playing hot potato with a hand grenade. Oh. Like, <laughs> like she's the hot potato hand grenade and it gets thrown to you and you're like, oh, get this the fuck away from me. And but even just, when you cast it away, it's it, explo- within, yeah. it can still get you. Because it can, it can it, just yeah, explode. you can catch a fucking, some shrapnel. <laughs> um, but so she is contacting me on like messenger or whatever. And, um, she's like, I'm coming up to central coast to get, and you're like, no, don't do that. That's what you're not going to do. I don't want to see you. Well, she was coming up to get her stuff. That was at her old apartment. She got evicted from, Oh, you're co-signing your bullshit already. I can see a little bit, but I was like, go ahead and do that. But I don't, I'm at work. I don't have time for to see you, you know? So she finds a ride up here and she's not coming to my house, thank God. Well, at, she at is, because that's the only reason she told you she was coming up here, so that you would be aware that she was planning on making an appearance. She probably had an ulterior motive. So she she comes up, and her ride drops her and her love partner <laughs> in, in Los Osos. Okay. Not at anyone's house, because she has nowhere to crash. So they're in a field... With like some sleeping bags and they, but they can't sleep. So they're up all night in a field just tweaking and, um, and I go to work. I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to work, you know, and and I'm not, I don't go see them. There's a small part of me that's hoping next time I'm on a hike in in a field in Los Osos that I'll run into a scene of that nature. It'd be pretty. It's just so bizarre and awkward for me to like see her. And her new partner, but and that's why I was trying to avoid her. But that she anyway. found you, yeah. So I'm at work and she's hitting me up trying to get me to pick her up and take her to her old apartment. And I'm like, no, like I have to work. Like she's always trying to extort favors out of me. And I'm like, no, you get your ride to take you. So I'm doing my own thing at work, and she eventually gets a ride to. Um, get her shit and she's like shows up at her old apartments pounding on the door she's just belligerent as fuck 
and um, scaring the new roommates. <laughs> and all her shit, yes. all her shits in boxes in the garage. So she packs what she can, doesn't pack everything, and leaves. And I'm at home, just minding my own business. Um, I'm all by myself with my dogs. And her... this is how every good story starts. I yeah, I'm all by myself, minding my, my own business. business. Yeah, and she has. Her mail is st- still getting sent here, so she's like, "I'm," and she has a medical marijuana card she wants, and I'm like, and her W twos and whatever she thought. Oh, because I, now she's gonna be responsible. <laughs> she's gonna file taxes. Well, apparently. she already missed the deadline to file, but she, I guess you can still file. I don't fucking know. I just want to get whatever shit is still here and give it to her, so I have no ties. Why didn't you leave it in a box on the front porch? I should have done that. I wasn't really thinking about that. I was just like, and I should have just mailed it. I should have been like, yeah, uh, mail it to you. But she wa- even if I didn't give her the mail, she wanted to come over. And her excuse was, I'm going to drop off some things because I don't want to take all these things to back to L.A. And I was like, well, why give it to me? What do you want? And she wanted me, I guess. You never to- once flat out just told her, no, I cannot I should have for any reason. I should have. What is and the I reason did not- that you did not, like, I don't know. Like, I kind of just wanted to see her. Not like okay. be like, no, not, not hook up. I don't know what the fuck I was clarity, thinking. Just maybe to get some sort of. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah. like, I don't wish any bad ill will towards her. I'd want her to do right, good. But struggling. at the she same time, like, she is like toxic as fuck and she will take down anyone close to her. So I'm still wary of seeing her, but I, I still want to like get anything that connects me and her like back to her. So she comes over and pounding on my door and I open the door and she's freaking out. Like she's been up for days on meth. Jesus. She hasn't had a shot of fucking heroin in a a while. So she's not quite sick yet, but the sickness will come soon. Oh, it's on its way. It's on its way. And, um, the sickness is always there. But sometimes it's just masked by the heroin that you have in your system at that time. But. Yeah. So she comes in and she comes in and every her ride and Cleo and whoever else is in that truck is in the, my driveway. And um, oh, and I bet that was a motley crew of, <laughs> of drug skag. addiction. Yeah. yeah. Total skag in um, fucking park. I mean, in your driveway. She, she gets in my fucking door. And she like drops to her knees and breaks down and starts crying. And she always does this like everyone's mad at me, everyone hates me. Oh my god! And well, yeah, because like, she's she's so addicted psychopath. Yeah, and she's annoying everybody, even annoying the druggies that she's hanging out with, because she's just out of control and just losing her mind. And I'm trying to calm her down, and I walk out to the driveway to see what is going on. Because I'm kind of paranoid at this point. I have neighbors who, if they saw this, like, this fucking incident, like, they would be like, what the fuck is going on? So the driver gets out of his truck, and this guy is like, I mean, I'm stone cold sober, maybe caffeinated and nicotinated, but that's it, you know? And... This guy gets out of his truck, and he's like, screams methamphetamine. Like, he is the fucking pinnacle of white male tweaker like shaved bald <laughs> head you know a lot of tweakers shave their head you know right well because the hair it gets in the way of, <laughs> of the picking there's there's a, there's a zit and, under there that needs to get popped and but. their hair gets so greasy too oh and they just God. don't want to deal with it your whole body gets greasy i remember yeah. i can't imagine how bad i must have smelled when i was tweaking and i would shower three or four times a day some days but then 
your body is just excreting meth yeah, crystals out of your pores. So he's he comes out and he's he's grinding his mouth and like licking his lips and he just looks. So, I, I'm like you're fucking high as a kite, and so he gives me some weird excuse like yeah. You know, we got to leave all the Lindsay things here because I got to clean out my car and I, I can't clean out my car with all the shit in my truck bed. And I'm like, you're cleaning out the inside of your truck, but you need to put her shit in the truck bed in my driveway. That makes no sense. And, you know, tweakers don't make a lot of sense. And uh, you remember that chick that hung out with Larry, Jen, the white girl? She is there. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you've been clean for so long. Good for you. And she looks fucking high. Cleo is avoiding me like the plague. Probably because Lindsay's like whispering in her ear like, Grime's going to kill you. Yeah. Or who knows? Like, uh, Could just be the estrogen making Cleo completely crazy. Well, I think Cleo was dealing with Lindsay and was just annoyed because Lindsay's just fucking losing her mind and out of control. And so they... I'm just like Cleo in... and Lindsay sound like a match made in heaven. Oh yeah, they they're perfect for each other. As long as I'm out of the picture, that's I'm totally okay with. So anyway, they take all of they're taking all Lindsay's shit in boxes and putting it in my driveway, and then and this is in the middle of the day. At night, it's like seven or eight at night. Oh, even worse. And your parents are home? No, they're not. They're out of town. Oh, they're at wow. in, they're in Mendocino County, like my oh, mom's wow. at, in some art class. So thank God. Wow. I wouldn't even let Lindsay come over if my parents were there. I do not want my well, parents to see. Well, it doesn't sound see. like you had much of a choice. It sounds like she was going to come over, whether I liked it or not. Yeah, yeah. they had a, a they had a motive. I mean, how long do you think she would have stayed here if you hadn't answered the door? If you had just ignored her and tried to know. pretend like she didn't, I exist? should I shouldn't I should have just not answered the phone at all. Yeah, but then you would have had the cops called. Your neighbors would have called and said that somebody was trying to. Who knows? But anyway, they drop. He this dude drops all her shit off in my driveway, and he's like, "I gotta go clean out my car. I'll be back in a half hour." Takes off with Jen. <laughs> yeah, half hour. I'm sure. Cleo shakes my hand, and he, and she's he's like, um, "I need to go smoke a cigarette because I'm really pissed off and frustrated." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'd imagine you're fucking, fucking hanging out with people you're hanging out with." So she goes off, smokes a cigarette. Lindsay's in my house freaking out, trying to eat food because she hasn't eaten for days. And I'm trying to give her whatever leftovers are there. And she's cry eating like, <laughs> yes, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, wow. And she's like, I want to die. I want to die. And she's like, Cleo's pissed off at Lindsay. And she's like, I need to see. And she's like causing a scene outside like. Like, oh, and she's running after Cleo. Like, come back, come back. And Cleo's like walking away. Like, get the fuck away from me. And I'm like, if my neighbors are watching this, this is not good at all. This is bad. Horrible. So Lindsay runs out. Like, Lindsay's freaking out in my house. And I'm like, dude, just chill. Like, what is let, she freaking out about? What was her she biggest probably doesn't concern? even. She's blacked out. She doesn't even remember any of this. She, who knows? Like, what she was on? just talking nonsense. Yeah, she's not making sense. Wow. She's trying to like make. She's not making sense in her head. Like, she's, she's trying freaking to out. manipulate you, but she's in no state to manipulate. So I she guess. just comes off completely crazed, which so is what she was. She runs out of my house and she's crying and like being loud and runs after Cleo and Cleo's walking away from her, like practically running away from her, and she's running after. After her down the street of my neighborhood and I'm like wow so I am like I should just leave and uh, I go and I buy a Red Bull because that's the <laughs> only that's the only thing I can consume to like like ha- take the edge off you know I can't wow. 
I, I have. You know, you're really stressed out when Red Bull <laughs> is going to take the edge off. Caffeine and nicotine are all I can consume to like de-escalate my anxiety. Right. So they call me and they're like, "Oh, we need to get. We're, we're here waiting or whatever." Because I had moved some of her stuff in my house because I'm like, I don't want people to see all this shit in my driveway. Oh. So I get that back. That was a mistake. Yeah, I get back and they're waiting and we move her shit out into the driveway. And they're trying to get a hold of the guy who's dry, who was supposed to take them back to L.A. I guess while this dude was driving with Jen, Jen and this guy got in a fight and he kicks Jen out of the car. And now they're trying to get a hold of this guy. Like, when are you going to pick us up and get the shit? And he is off getting a hooker. And he was like, I'm getting a hooker. Um, At least he I'll was hit you, I'll hit you back. I'll hit you up when I'm done. And people on tweaker time, three to four hours is more like... 24 to 48 hours. Time is flying by when you're spun. Yes. Like an hour goes by in a second when you're a tweaker. So I'm like, okay, Cleo and Lindsay are stranded at my house with a fucking pile of shit in, of boxes of her shit. Uh, Lindsay's like laid out on the stairs, like sprawled on her back, smoking a cigarette, just like nodding off and just ma- like, burning herself with the cigarette getting ash all over her face like it was horrible it was horrible and i'm like did that trigger you seeing that or it almost did the opposite like at first because i'm like watching yeah watching such a turnoff like watching that is so that is so not sexy no or appealing whatsoever but it's so weird she's lost a lot of weight she's lost a lot she has she has uh eating disorder too but the meth is like doesn't (laughs) No, yeah, that does. It's kind of well. Those usually go contributes hand in hand. to that. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're fucked. She's fucking gone. Like crying, nodding off, and I'm just like, what the fuck? What is my life? Why has my life come to this? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? I'm not getting clean. Was supposed to solve everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, it obviously, it's like a rebuilding process. Like. But because uh, you should have nutted up on this girl a long time ago and just lit her up and said, hey. I'm staying clean. You got to stay the fuck away from me. And, and I was trying to do that. I was trying to set, set boundaries. Like, you know, if you're high, I can't be around you. But people that are high have no boundaries. They know no, the limit. They're, yeah. I mean, their whole life She's going to work. Yeah, she's wormed her way back in my life plenty of times. Oh. But Cleo's phone's dying. If Great. Cleo's phone dies, so she can't get a hold of anybody to get a ride. So I invite them into my house to charge her phone. And she's trying to get a hold of people. They both walk into my bathroom and close the door. Oh, Jesus. And you know what that means. Like, there's nothing good going on in there. No. And I hear vomiting. I hear Cleo vomiting in my toilet. And Lindsay's saying, ooh, there's blood in there. And I'm like, is that from the estrogen or because you were tweaking? I don't know. I don't care. And I'm like, that's nuts. A little nuts. and um, Very nuts. The door cracks open and Lindsay's like sitting Indian style and she asked me for a belt. And oh. I'm like, are you really trying to tie off in my fucking bathroom right now? Like, what the fuck? Like, why? Why do you in what world is that? OK. Do you think that's OK with me? And uh, she was she's like, what? I'm only shooting up meth. Like, it's not like I'm shooting up black. And I'm like, 
That still wow. triggers me. Like, wow. are you fucking serious? And so yeah. I'm sitting in my room, chain vaping, just having a panic attack. I was going to say, I would have like, wigged screaming out. Screaming on the inside of my soul. Like, what the... F- I'm so pissed. Mm. And I, I, I finally can't take it anymore. And I open the door and I'm like, this isn't fucking cool. So me and Lindsay start arguing. And she's like, oh, you're piece of shit, blah, 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 and just arguing with me. I'm like, why do you think this is cool? I was like, I should just throw you out right now. Right. You know, but the thing is, I'm thinking in my head, if like... If you throw them out, she's going to cause such a scene in your neighborhood. The cops are going to come. Absolutely. You're and going to part, jail. And part of my probation terms are like, I can't be around people using. Right. So I don't want the cops to come and then think I'm associated with this, and then I get locked up. Or who knows what Lindsay... Lindsay threatened to call my probation officer... And get me in why trouble. Do, why are girls always so quick to, to do that? Call the probation officer or cops or lie to the cops. I don't know what her. Right? I don't know what she's capable of. Right. So wow. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And um, I guess I shouldn't say why are girls so. Guys are like that too. Any anybody that's that strung out on any substance, I don't is know. going to be an emotionally unstable person and when they're not getting their way I guess it, in their sick convoluted mindset it makes sense to oh this person isn't it's a form of manipulation absolutely fears like, I'm gonna get what I want yeah exactly I will threaten you to get what I want oh you. that's so sick though it's so, so at this point I'm doing I'm running damage control in my head like okay what what do I do they're stuck they're stranded at my house I could buy them I'm like do I buy them a bus ticket but then how are they going to get all their shit out of my house? Listening to your story right now is making me do damage control on myself. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm stressed. I'm, right my now. mind. Oh, dude, I was so stressed. I'm, and so my mind is racing. Like, how do I get them out of here in without me getting into trouble? So I'm like, I'm like prodding Cleo with questions like, are you getting a hold of someone? Oh, I might have someone in Burbank that can come. I don't know. Burbank. Yeah, like who in Burbank's gonna drive 160 miles up here, to pick them up and drive them all the way back? Uh, no one. So finally, I am just like, fuck it. I need to get them back home in any way possible so I can be back in my little safe nest. So I'm like, all right, you know what, Cleo? You guys obviously don't have any, you're stranded. This dude who brought you here, he's out with a hooker and he's not, I, he's not reliable. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know. know. I want to hear his story. We need to get this guy in here to record know. his story of what he did in the time that all of this is going on at your place. This like, guy looked like he was probably collecting, like, flesh face masks of hookers and wearing them on his face. He was weird, tweaker-looking awesome. dude. I love people like that. Yeah. Those are good people to know. Yeah. Fucking leather-face-looking motherfucker. Wow. And um, so I'm like, all right, Cleo, I don't know why you guys thought it was like good uh, a good idea to like take an unreliable person come up here with no and trust in their ability to bring you back home safely and oh cleo has called in sick to work cuz they already were supposed to be back cleo has a job at the shake shack in hollywood sounds like a place that cleo would work yeah so and she already called in sick once that day and she needs to get back by 12 o'clock in the next day or she will get fired. So I'm like, you know what? You guys don't have a ride back. I will just fucking just take your shit, put it in my fucking car, and I will drive you back. I don't care anymore. I just need to get you out of my house. 
Like, you guys need to get out. You guys are trying to shoot. And, and, and Lindsay is trying to shoot up this shot of meth, and she's nodding off in my bathroom. Like, Indian style, face flat into the tile. Oh, that's all Nodded bad. out. Uh, yeah. And so, um, Cleo and I get up. I empty my truck, the trunk of my car with whatever was in it. We load all of Lindsay's boxes in my car. Thank God we got all of her shit and we're able to fit it in my little Toyota Camry. Get it all in there. I get Lindsay, we get Lindsay up. She runs upstairs to my fucking, my parents' bathroom and gets a hairbrush and just manically like combing knots out of her fucking wig or whatever. Because she has Uh. a wig that she hasn't like kept clean for probably weeks she's like i haven't had a brush in so long so and i'm like Lindsay, you need to get out of my house like we're taking you home and she's like freaking out like crying like why don't you love me anymore and she's like cleo does this and that for me and blah 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 and i'm like i did all kinds of shit for you and then you i told you <laughs> you're to gonna get... drive her and cleo back to la and and and, and it's like 10.30 at night by this point. Oh, man. 10.30 at night. Brian, if you ever allow this to, to happen to you again, I have to reevaluate our friendship. Oh, you can stab me in the eyeballs and I if would this love ever to do happens. That. So, but I'm just like, I got to get them out of here without getting the... Because I could call the cops, but I don't ever call the cops because they're going to look for any way to fucking take everybody to jail if they can. That's their motive all the time. So I'm like, I don't that's want what to... they do best. Yeah, I'm not getting the cops involved. I just or need shoot to get people. Them. Yeah, so I need to get them out. So I finally get Lindsay's crying, and she, you know, I don't fucking know. So I get them in my car, and I take them to fucking back to L.A. It's like a three-hour drive, and I am like, I almost like on the way there, I have this weird sense of euphoria. Like, almost just the situation itself is getting me high. Wow. And I, and I, I felt such a euphoric, like, feeling sweeping over me. I almost felt like, did they slip me some drugs? Right. Like, this situation is so bizarre. I feel high. But it's like a weird euphoric high. It was probably just like a flashback to all the stress and anxiety that you experience when you are getting high and having... Cause and while I was you with You know, her. when you're getting high, they, like the story that you're telling, that stuff happens every day of the week when you're using. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fucking another day. So, and I'm just like... And they're both passed the fuck out in my car. They've been up for days. So they're in my oh, car wow. just... So they were doing shots of meth and they still are passing out. Yeah, they were Oh, she never, she never shot that meth up. She was too oh, good. gone. And Cleo good. took it and put it somewhere. And anyway, I fucking... We're driving and I'm just like listening to my fucking music and um, just like having flashbacks of dating her and getting... And of flashbacks. And I'm just comparing where my life is now to where her life is now. And like, I just felt so thankful that like, I'm not in that world anymore. Like, and a part of me was almost a little bit of jealous. Cause you know, as addicts, we kind of thrive off the chaos factor. Want to justify why that chaos is necessary in our life. It's not even justifying it. It's like, it's exciting to us. The chaos, you know, even no matter how, like how much it deteriorates your life, like we kind of thrive off that chaos mm-hmm. and the ups and the downs. So oh, I'm I, thought all, I, but, I thought I was the coolest thing since sliced bread when I was a homeless junkie. I, I would think to myself, wow, I'm hardcore. Yeah. And I liked it. And that's what's so scary and sad about that whole experience is that 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Anyway, I, I'm i driving. I get into L.A. I wake up Cleo, and she gives me directions of where her fucking house is, or apartment is, which is like in, by Alhambra or something. Okay. Which is right by Pas. I used to live in Pasadena, so I know the area. And so we pull up to the corner where she's at. I get all her shit out of my car and Lindsay is like can you help us bring the stuff into the apartment and it's like 2:15 in the morning and I'm like no way I will not be getting home until 5 in the morning like I'm leaving and she's like oh, you hate me you hate me and I'm like I don't fucking hate you I got you guys home and and by this point Cleo's like thank you so much you know blah 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 and it's like you know, any grudge Cleo has against me for whatever reason, you know, it's like I am not even her friend and I did something for you that your friends wouldn't, wouldn't even, even do. So, right. you know, can't really hold a fucking grudge against me at this point. But I get Nor my, would you care if Cleo did have a grudge against I you. don't give a fuck. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I need to get home. <laughs> yeah. And so I get in my car and I just leave. You are so lucky that you're not sitting in a jail cell as we speak. I know. I know. Because it could have turned way worse. It could have taken one neighbor to see that, call the cops, and then I... It wouldn't matter how innocent you were. It doesn't innocent. matter how it looks I, or how I explain it to them. I'm going to jail. Yeah. And they're probably going to jail, too. And, like... I just, I get on the freeway and I'm fucking dead tired. Like I have a couple sips of my Red Bull left and I'm just like, I need to get home. So I fucking. Oh, you didn't borrow a shot of meth from them before? Dude, I, I almost thought I like the addict in my mind was like, oh, I need something to like stay up and make this road trip. But I was like, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I got a date coming up. And I can't, I just, no, it's not going to look good. The date? That's right, yeah. Or or whatever. I was just like, ugh. No, I mean. I thought, I, I contemplated it. No, the date it. would have gone really weird. Oh, and Lindsay had acid, too. And I uh, almost, I almost was like, I'll give you guys, I thought about it after the fact. I dropped them off, but I was like, I should have, like, made them give me acid for the ride home. And, but I didn't. So Which is good. Which you're is in good. Recovery. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the addict in me is always gonna be like, oh, you can do this, you can get that, you know? Absolutely. So, but yeah, I came back, I'm st- uh, still clean and sober, and I'm like, I'm probably passing through Santa Barbara, and I'm like so fucking tired, I'm slapping myself to stay awake on this road. And like, I'm like, and there's a lot of CHPs like on the road, so I gotta be careful. And I'm literally, like, almost fucking falling asleep behind the wheel. And I got to take a shit. And I'm <laughs> like, I can't pull over because I'm too tired. I just need to get home as fast as possible. I get home. It's like five, It's like a quarter till five. I take a fucking huge shit. And I just crawl into bed. And I pass the fuck out. And I'm just like, what the fuck is, what is my life? For this to, like, ha- this doesn't happen to normal people, you know? Definitely not. And uh, Definitely. I fucking crashed out. And then you called me at, like, 9 or 10, and you're like, are you still in bed? And I'm like, yeah. And you, I remember you were like, what the fuck? Like, you're, I wake up early as fuck and get shit done. Like, why? I don't get people who fucking, who sleep in so late. And I'm like, dude. I really don't. have I- no idea 
what just happened? And I explained it to you a little bit, and you were like, what the fuck? I, I what can't the say fuck? I had too much pity on you because I feel <laughs> oh, like man. it's your own fault that she didn't. It is my own fault. That and she I, doesn't already have a clear understanding that you and her are kaput. You guys are done. It's well, over. Well, we have established that we're done. Like, she's with Cleo. I'm going on dates with other people. And um, she wanted to come up here and see you. It does, she didn't want her mail. What is she going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, and, and the thing is, like, regardless of her, like, I established with her through Messenger, we're broken up. Like, you're seeing Cleo. You're in L.A. I'm not doing a long-distance relationship with you. I, even if we it wasn't long-distance, I'm not going to date you unless you get clean. And her whole reason for going to L.A. was trying to get into a rehab. Oh, um, was she going to go to Tahunga or what's it called? She not was Tahunga. trying to get into Crash. And, oh, wow. But you need to go to a detox to get into Crash. So and And all the free detoxes have a huge wait list where you have to call every day and wait for a op- bed uh, like a bed to open up and it's not they don't make it very easy for addicts with no money to get in recovery. I mean if you have tens of thousands of dollars you can go to Malibu and pay for like top of the line rehab that's like $1000 a day. Yeah. And yeah, that's fine, but if you have no money, free treatment centers have a huge wait list and you usually have to be clean when you get in there. I had to be uh, I had to be completely clean when I went to the Salvation Army. They drug tested me right yeah. there on the spot. After and if you don't me, test clean, they they kick you out. It took me two and a half hours to fill out the paperwork necessary to get in there before they drug tested me. And had that drug test come up dirty, I would have been asked to leave right there. Yeah, and, and a lot of these rehabs aren't dual diagnosis. So if you have a mental illness, you have to get to a detox first, then a rehab, and then a mental evaluation center. It's not like all combined, which would be more convenient. So like the the healthcare in this country is fucked if you have no well, money. Well, but the problem if you have no insurance and no money, you're kind of like fucked. The problem with mental illness and drug addiction is that drug addiction mimics mental illness. And I'm if you sorry. have a severe mental illness that's not being diagnosed, not being treated, a lot pe- a lot of people in that situation will self-medicate on street drugs. Which just co- then yeah, perpetuates and, the problem. Yeah, it makes your symptoms worse. Far worse. So, uh, yeah, she's back in L.A., thank God. She messaged me the other day like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Uh, I don't remember what I said. I don't remember what I did. And I'm like, just... Has she been taking Xanax or any benzos? Because... Probably. Yeah. That sounds Probably. like some benzo behavior. I mean, I granted, staying up for days on meth and, and all that will definitely make a person delusional. But I, I just feel... People on benzos, man, that have been up on meth for many days, they are really, really unstable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's... A huge bitch when she shoots up heroin or other, or she's a huge bitch when she takes Valium or Xanax. Like yeah. she's just, it brings out the worst in her. No, heroin did the same thing to me. Uh, everybody would tell me I was a complete dick when I was when I was using. I was overly sensitive on heroin. Like shit would ups like. Yeah, why does everything irritate you when you're on heroin? Like is that, yeah, for me opiates. I was always in a constant state of irritation, even. When I was like righteously fucked up. Yeah, you should have. You're fucking high. You have no reason to like be upset. You're fucking good. And the littlest of thing can set you off, and you'll be manically crying, 
Or and you and you're like and then I'll, I would stop myself and be like, why am I crying? I'm really high right now. Like, what the fuck is my deal? Yeah. Like, oh I'm getting God. high so I don't have to feel like I need to cry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that happened and um, yeah. So you're here. You didn't go to jail, bruh. High five to that. You got but it. I'm so stupid for putting, allowing that situation to be introduced to myself. I couldn't agree with you more. I'm absolutely. But you know, like. I'm a recovering addict. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the sharpest pencil mm. out there, you know? But you know what? You're still in recovery. Yeah, I'm still learning. That didn't take you out. And That's incredible. Even though I made that mistake of, like, allowing her to come over, I want to say I handled it in the best way that I you thought could. possible. Absolutely. Because it... it the thing is, if if you are in recovery and you're around someone using, the best thing to do is get the fuck out of there. Get Separate yourself from that situation. Because it could have been so easy for me to be like, well, get me high and I'll give you a ride back. Or or even if I got them out and I w- would go look for, I was like, oh, I could stay, I could spend the night in L.A. and go find the dope man and fucking bring some back. I don't even, and my, the addict in me is like, you don't even have to do dope now. You can buy dope and keep it and save it, you know? Yeah, that's, yep, addict mentality for sure. Oh, dude, like, you know the worst thing is uh, I'm a huge fucking conspiracy theorist. Uh Like, or I used to be. I would do goofballs of heroin and meth, and I'd be on YouTube looking up conspiracy theory videos about Dave Chappelle being a clone. Oh, yeah. And they killed the old Dave Chappelle, and I'd be looking out my window like, oh, my God, all celebrities are clones, MKUltra, and, like... And just losing my mind. And um, I have this... I still, to this day, have this theory to justify, like, a relapse in the future where it's like, okay, you know, Trump's president now. We're bombing Syria. Uh, that Kim Jong-un guy is gonna fucking try... is threatening nuclear missile strikes on us. Uh, California hasn't had a severe earthquake in a long time. And this is a really extreme justification. No, I'm thinking, this is, get this. Get you this. need to, okay, no, I'll listen, <laughs> no, sorry. So, no, no, I'm like, I'm like th- thinking the world could possibly end at any moment. So, my justification is like, I should have a doomsday hype kit buried in a time capsule in my backyard just in case, you know, a nuclear strike hits or fucking a police state comes and they're going to take us to FEMA camps and it's a doomsday hype kit. It's a hype kit for the end of the world doomsday. And it's like, I don't touch it unless the world is ending. And then I just whip it out. I dig it up and I'm like, okay, I got, you know, if if the world's ending right now and we're all going to fucking die of like, like a radiation or something, I'm going to fucking slam a fat ish. That's, you know, like, I feel like there's a part of you that really wants to stick apocalyptic fantasy to come true just so I could relapse like to justify it like okay well the world's ending I don't have to go to drug court obviously like if if a nuclear bomb hit LA do you think they're gonna make us go to drug court probably not and if they did I would be like well come on like that's nuclear fallout is a huge trigger for that's, me <laughs> you know like come on it's like what so that's I, one hell of a reservation my friend i have to say that is one hell of a i have a yeah doomsday hype kit everyone out there if well, the world ends like 
I kind of give you a pass Maybe to relapse. We... I'm not. I'm not saying go and do this, but if you did, I wouldn't like judge you. You might want to bury your hype kit in the FEMA camp that you feel <laughs> is the most likely that you're going to end up at. Because what if the police state comes and you don't have time to dig up your hype kit? You know, you better hope it it's in the walls of the FEMA camp <laughs> where you're at. I have to f- so I have to find the FEMA camp, sneak in, smuggle my doomsday hype kit in, yeah. and yeah. So and then if there's nuclear holocaust, then you know, then your your hype kit's gonna get dug up ten thousand years from now from the cockroach people that are gonna <laughs> be living on this earth. Yeah, some cockroach, yeah, they're gonna dig into my some, stash. Some cockroach humanoid uh, archaeologist is gonna discover your stash. And like you remember The Walking Dead, where Daryl had like a zip a ziploc bag full of like old drugs and stuff yes just in case that's what i that's kind of like i was thinking like okay well i'm gonna need to be a survivalist i'm gonna need the extra advantage i need to get take something the edge off if i'm running away from zombie apocalypses and you know can you imagine the value of like a like an opium poppy field in the time of like after (laughs) an apocalypse like people i mean People will pay good money. They'll pay a lot. Of, they'll give you a lot of donkeys and women and food for for opium. Well, I would imagine if the world is ending and our government collapses, anyone with a gun or assault rifle is going to immediately go to Walmart or anywhere, raid it, take all the food, take all the medical supplies, go straight into the pharmacy and find that fucking oxycodone safe and just fucking pillage. Is it in a safe? Do they? Probably, probably, probably. I mean, you know how many fucking pharmacies got robbed by like we've had in we, here in Central Coast, we had people like what's it the CVS on Elm got held up for hydrocodones. Wow, gunpoint. And on the East Coast, they were getting pharmacies were robbed all the time. You know because they. I mean, most like you have you seen the OxyContin Express, the documentary. No, but that's a good documentary. We should probably wrap up this episode. Yeah. Okay, was it 53 minutes? Yeah, holy shit. I apologize. That story took way too long. That should have been like a 20-minute story. It's not even that juicy, but it is at the same time. It just like... The main thing is like... It made me cringe, so I feel (sighs) like you accomplished something. I cringed the whole time telling the story. And there was just this duality of like me feeling sorry for her... But at the same time, me being thankful that I'm out of that life, you know? Yeah, I think it was a good thing for you to experience on that, in that aspect. Because now you can see for sure that, like, the drug, the, the life of addiction and abuse doesn't change. It's always shit. And for mm-hmm. all of those that are still in that life, it's shit. And why, why do we, as, you know, addicts in recovery tend to romance all of the past experiences we had on drugs and fail to, to remember just how ugly what they were going through that you experienced. Like, well, there's a psycho- for us. there's a psychological term for that, which is like, it's like selective memory. Your brain kind of blacks out all of the traumatic and negative, yeah, all the negative experiences and traumatic experiences that came with drug addiction. Right. Your brain naturally does that with anything, like any trauma, not just drug addiction, like with like anything. So, but with drug addiction, it's bad because then you really have to think hard and play the tape in your mind about what, what happened and what 
brought you down and like what bad things happened because I know as far as me when I look back at my my drug use I only my my instinct is to go and think about the positive aspect and the 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 love of the rush of getting high you know and I and it, it, I have to really concentrate and focus on and stop myself and be like okay but you know getting high felt great I mean don't get me wrong but it it I, there's very few situations where it doesn't bring you down and suck you into a hole. And even when you think you've hit rock bottom, there's always six feet below that. Absolutely. You know, and it can always get worse. No matter how bad you think it is, it can always get worse. And I, I'm really lucky that I didn't lose anything more than I did, you know, because it, I could have had way more taken away from me, things that I couldn't have gotten back, you know. And, um, fucking hell, like, and, and seeing her, it partially triggered me, obviously, but at the same time, it was like a fucking, uh, arrow in my brain of reaffirming why that life is no longer for me and what is in store. Like, she's like a fucking after her life is an after school special, uh, <laughs> of why you don't do drugs, right? Like, like she lost everything. Yep. And all she had to do, and I told her this over and over, all you have to do is stop doing drugs and you can slowly put your life together. I mean, it takes a lot of time and energy and effort and work to rebuild your life, but it can take one night of relapse to lose everything you've taken months and months to work back up to. And, uh, and that's like a huge like reminder for people out there is like, getting high can be fun, but it's a huge risk because if you're already afflicted, like me and Ryan, it, it can take one relapse for to, to completely destroy everything you've worked so hard for just once. And it may not, you may like get by and you may become a functioning addict, but I mean it, and that's another thing about drug court. It, it's so cookie cutter, like to apply to everyone, but everyone's addictions differently. So different. And you really need to look at, stop comparing your addiction to other people and look at your own addiction and look at the drugs and substances that you know are going to bring you down. Like when I first did heroin or opiates in general, I had this revolution in my brain where I was like, oh, I want to feel like that all the time. Right. I didn't get that with Coke. Nope. I didn't get that with meth. It was only like... Those drugs, I wanted to feel those drugs when I felt like doing those drugs. But once the party was over... Once I had been tweaked out for three days or You're done, like, I need a, to stop. done an eight ball of Coke, I was just fine setting it aside and, and not touching it for a few but days. I knew opiates were the substance where if I did it the next day, as soon as I woke up, I'd be like, I need, I want to do it again. And, yes. uh, that's a problem. And then it turns into very quickly. I have to do it again. It's well, no longer do I want to. Cause there's once you're well strung out. I mean, you get to a point where you really would prefer not to be strung out anymore, but you have to be strung out because you don't know how to be anything but strung out. Yeah, and withdrawals are such a bitch. Like, if you have shit to do that day, you're not getting anything done unless you go score first. Like, yeah. being productive requires you to fucking cop dope and put it in your arm, you know? Right. And... Ugh. Fucking hell. Anyway, it's been a fucking hour. I am so sorry for just unleashing that story. I hope somebody out there got some enjoyment out of it or entertainment out of the fucking dysfunctionality of my life. Um, and a lesson to 
people in recovery or addicts out there, like the number one thing that helped me stay sober is getting people out of my life that are continuing to use because you may not relapse that day, that week or that month, but if you're in recovery and you're fucking in the same room as someone shooting up in front of you, it's just a matter of time before you just say, get a case of the fuck it's and you are like, give me some, you know, it's not hard to do. So, um, Anyway, that is the fucking episode for today. We, I want to try and keep these to an hour length. It's fine. You know, like, these take a lot out of me. <laughs> Reminiscing, <laughs> it, like, is draining on my soul. But anyway, my name is fucking Brian. And I'm Ryan. That's Ryan over there. <laughs> it's so weird that we're Ryan and Brian. Like It works. It, it flows works. well. Yeah. It flows well. Anyway, yeah, this is the Nod Squad podcast. We're I need to make a fucking email. God damn it. Okay. We'll have a side up uh, soon. You know, we're still in our infancy stage. We, we need to at least get an email before the website so people can write in. Yeah. And if they want to write us letters or questions or they need advice about something, um, you know, don't fucking hesitate to write us in. I will greatly look forward to, like, Hearing people reaching out from us. Uh, you can, you know, send us voicemails of stories you have. Uh, we need to get a hold of Billy, who's still in fucking jail for a Kratom. <laughs> He's been doing week, turning himself in for weekends. That would be so hard, but we can get into that later. Yeah. So, anyway, thank you for tuning in. Uh, have a good day. Fucking be safe out there. Harm reduction. Um, you can always do more later. You can never take back and do less. So, like, harm reduction. Don't do a fat shot in the beginning. Do a tester shot. Like, skin pop a little bit first. Be so smart. don't don't die out there. There's carfentanil coming out there. And Narcan is, like, doesn't help, apparently. Doesn't do anything. It's it? like, uh, carfentanil is, like, for fucking elephants. Yeah. And, you know... So just fuck, I don't know. I mean, junkies aren't going to test their shit, like, with a test kit to see how, like, a fentanyl test kit. But, like, do a watered-down shot first if you're still using. Don't fucking, no one wants to see you die. People love you out there somewhere. And, um, you know, there's recovery out there. So, anyway, we so love find you. find it. Guys. Yeah, so find it. You know, if you're in recovery, keep it up. If you're struggling, um, we understand. And... You know, even though you're using, we still, like, we know how hard it is, and we support all our listeners. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and, you know, have a good one. Peace out. You're not doing meth again, right? Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. Don't do meth. No more homemade meth. Got it. No, no, no meth, period. You've never done it? Oh, God, no. No. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Fucking great. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the best I've ever Holly, felt. this stuff's got to stop. Right. Right? Yeah, because it's a gateway. It's the finish line. Oh, there's more stuff. 
I don't think I can help you. All right.